We thank you for leading us so beautifully this morning and crown him Lord of all. And that's why we're here today to worship him and to crown him the Lord of all, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Thank you for joining us for worship today. We are glad you're here uh, inside uh, the auditorium and also those of you who are joining us by live stream and by Facebook Live. We're very grateful that you're joining us uh, today as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And uh, those of you at home, I hope you have your elements ready so when we get to the end of the service, you're able to join us as we share in this meal together. But thank you for being here. Thank you for choosing to worship with this church family today. Uh, we, we love you and uh, we're grateful for you and uh, we're grateful that uh, you're willing to come even under uh, these circumstances that we're having to do. But like Todd said, it's not going to last forever. So just keep that in mind. It didn't come to stay, it came to pass. Remember that old saying? It didn't come to stay, it came to pass, and it will pass. And we'll all be glad to be back together again the way we normally are. But thank you again for being here. And I pray that you feel God's presence as we worship him today. Why don't you take a minute just to stand, look around you and wave at everyone and let them know you're glad they're worshiping with you today. Our crown, 
a great place to be, to be lost in wonder, love, and praise. Let's celebrate his love as we continue in worship today. Oh 
Amen, what a sweet spirit that it's in this place. Welcome to worship this morning. We are thankful to have the opportunity to worship with you, both in person and virtually. Thank you for joining. We believe that the Lord is doing a great work at Forks of Elkhorn Baptist Church, and we're excited to continue to worship with you this morning and thankful that we get the opportunity to. It's at this portion of the service that we have a time of prayer and scripture reading. And I'm reminded of a story actually in Genesis Maybe you've heard some or all of the story of Joseph and how Joseph went through some crazy trials and times as his brothers were attempting to destroy and at times kill Joseph. But I'm reminded of this passage in Genesis chapter 50 in the latter part of Genesis that Joseph has the opportunity to see his brothers after they have all these crazy attempts to make his life chaotic. And Joseph says something along the lines of this, and maybe you've heard this. Joseph sees his brothers and he says, what you meant for evil, some translations say harm, God is gonna use for good. And as Christians in this time, I believe that we can stand up with that same confidence and that same resolve to say, hey, whatever the enemy has meant for evil in this time, God can and will use it for good. And so as we have a time of prayer, I pray that we would approach God with that same confidence to know today that God is gonna use whatever situation we may find ourselves in, whether good or bad, for our good and for his glory. And as we have this time of prayer, it's not just a time that we bow our heads and close our eyes, it's a time that we get to approach the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and I pray that that would be a time that you would be thankful for and to make the most of. So let us enter into this time of prayer together. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for your Holy Spirit and the power that's in your Holy Spirit. We pray that your Holy Spirit would move mightily, tangibly in this place. Thank you that you brought us here to hear a word from you that would be both life-giving and kingdom-growing. And Lord, I pray that we would be in tune with whatever it is that you wanna speak to us today. Lord, I pray that if there's anything in our hearts or lives that would hinder us from hearing from you, that today would be the day that we lay it down, that we repent of any sin or distraction or pride or lust, or temptation, or anything that may hold us back from hearing from you. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray that we would be purified, that we would be holy as you are holy, and we would be able to hear from you. Lord, we praise you that we get to come together, we get to lift your name high, and that your word says that as we draw near to you, you also draw near to us. And so, Lord, I ask that you would draw near to each of us today. Lord, I ask that you would speak mightily and powerfully. I ask, Lord, that you would reawaken, reignite, a passion to serve you and to love you. Lord, I pray that you would draw the lost nearer to you. Draw the downcast and the discouraged and the distracted nearer to you. Lord, darkness flees when you show up and I pray that your light and your truth would be manifest and would be known not only in this church, but all across churches across the nation. Lord, I pray that you would bring healing to those who are struggling with illnesses and sicknesses. You are the great healer, you are the great physician. Lord, I pray that you would bring peace to those maybe struggling with depression or anxiety. Lord, I pray that you would bring rest to maybe busy-bodied Christians who have been exhausted and tired through this time. I thank you that you are a refuge and strength. You're a very present help in time of need. I thank you that we can draw near to you and find life and peace and strength and hope in you. No matter how many times we've messed up in the past, great is your faithfulness. Your mercies are new every morning. Thank you for staying near us, God. Thank you for 
giving us second and third chances. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to bless this church, that your spirit would continue to be glorified, and Lord, that you would uh, just break off anything that would come against your will and your plans. Lord, I pray for our government political leaders, Lord, that you would guide them with wisdom and conviction. Lord, that you would use them as instruments of righteousness to stand on your truth, even when it's not popular. Lord, I pray for marriages, that you would strengthen marriages in this time and families would be united and unified under your truth. Lord, I pray for boldness for Christians to share your truth with authority. And I pray that salvation would come as a product of that. I pray that we would not live in fear, but Lord, that we would continue to live in the faith that you purchased for us. I pray, Lord, that you would purify us of any anger or bitterness. And I pray, Lord, that you would use Bill as an instrument of righteousness as he brings the word today. I pray that you would speak through him and that you would be glorified in his message as he talks about the Lord's Supper. Lord, may the eyes of our hearts be open, even freshly, to appreciate and to love the chance that we have to take the Lord's Supper and to honor you. Lord, we pray that you would continue to move, you would continue to bless each family and individual here and watching virtually. We thank you that we have such a beautiful church to come together with each week and to worship you. We love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Everybody said, amen. Today's passage of scripture that Bill will be reading or referencing from comes from Luke chapter 22. And it's verses one through 20 and it says this. Now the festival of unleavened bread called the Passover was approaching and the chief priest and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas called Iscariot, one of the 12. And Judas went to the chief priest and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. Then came the day of the unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked. He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house. The teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you.
the table is where life happens. It's where imagination runs wild. Where lessons are learned. And wonders are built. The table is where time can stop. Where wounds are comforted. And freedom begins. It's where we find peace. And we laugh till it hurts. The table is where we gather with family, new and old, to share stories, to nourish our bodies, to enrich our souls. The table is where we give thanks and where we remember what great gifts we have been given. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the great gifts that you have given us. We remember those today. Thank you for the gift of fellowship. Thank you for the gift of community. Thank you for the blessing of family and the blessing of friendship. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. I grew up in a crowded household. I shared that household with four brothers and three sisters, a first cousin that my parents raised, and an elderly man who didn't have a home that my parents took in. Needless to say, uh, at least the table was ground zero in our family. I remember it was a very long table. It had chairs on one side, had chairs on the ends, and then it had a big long bench on the other side, where we could all just kind of scoot in close together and uh, be uh, really tight around that table. One thing that I remember about the table is a place where we could have great conversations and we shared great meals, we laughed together, we cried together, argued together. But one thing about it was Anyone was welcome at our table. My mother made sure that anybody that walked through that door, anybody that walked through the door, that that table was open to them. And she made sure there was enough food for all of us and enough for anybody else that came through the door. No one was ever turned away that I can ever remember. And all were accepted as family. And there was always food left over, believe it or not, with that many people. There was still always food that was left over. The table was a place where we could be thankful. A place where we could be thankful for the bounty of food that we were blessed with and blessed to share and thankful for the blessing of family and the blessing of friendship and the blessing of community. Some of my fondest memories around that table was when my parents would introduce the pastor of the church and then we'd have visiting missionaries and they would have them in and those are some of the fondest memories that we have and I think it set the course for the Lord leading me and calling me into the ministry is being able to spend time with those people and share and hear about their experiences. As a church family today we gather around a different table today taking the bread, cup, of what God did through Jesus Christ. And this is the meal that Jesus shared with his disciples in the upper room during Passover. Just to kind of give you a little bit of a historical background, talk about Passover a little bit. Passover, as you well know, is celebrated each year to remember the deliverance of Israel 
God's people from the hands of the Egyptians after 400 plus years. There's some discrepancies uh, in the translations about how many years they were in captivity. Some say it was just 400, some say it was 433. I'm just going to kind of hit somewhere in the middle, 400 plus, how about that? 400 plus years that they were in exile and when they were, uh, when they were delivered from exile, it was the birth of the nation of Israel and they were led to the promised land. But prior to their freedom from the bondage of slavery in Egypt, the final plague, which would result in the death of the firstborn of each family, God protected the people of Israel, asking them to put the blood of the sacrificial lamb on their doorpost so when the death angel passed by, they would not be affected by it. They would not lose to note this morning that God has always required the shedding of blood for the remission of sins. Hebrews 9.22 says this, In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood and without the shedding of blood, for without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. A sacrificial, unblemished lamb was sacrificed as an offering and the blood was used to protect God's people from harm. Now, the Egyptians suffered greatly because of that. They lost their firstborn in every household in their nation because of their disobedience and because they would not free the people of Israel. And as a result, Pharaoh, as a result of the final plague, Pharaoh granted the Israelites their freedom. Jennifer, I think I'm going to switch my go back to this one. The historical background for the Lord's Supper, the establishment of the Lord's Supper, is that it grew out of, out of the celebration of the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. We read about it in Exodus chapter 12. The lamb and the meal of unleavened bread became the abiding symbol of Israel's deliverance from bondage. Now today, there, there are seven feasts of all. If you study feasts at all in the Bible, there were seven. And um, I'm not going to go into all of those, but you had the Feast of Passover, you had the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the Feast of the First Fruits. And today, they're all combined into an eight-day celebration of Passover uh, in, in this uh, current time. But without going into too much detail this morning, I wanted to kind of parallel the life of Jesus, his last days, and the celebration of Passover, because I think it's relevant to what we're doing here today as we gather around this table. You remember Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. He entered into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey, and it happened on the 10th of the month, and that being the Jewish calendar, which is just a little different from the calendar, the Gregorian calendar that we use. But at the time, on the 10th of the month, it's when all the Jewish families who had come to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover would be selecting a lamb for sacrifice. You see the parallel there? Jesus entered on that same day. The lambs for sacrifice were unblemished. Exodus 12:5 says, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. And then it goes on in other scriptures to say, And no bones will be broken in that lamb. The lambs were thoroughly inspected to assure that they were without blemish, that so they would be acceptable to God, and so uh, they would be forgiven for their sins by the blood of this sacrifice. Now you think about Jesus as he entered into Jerusalem. He was sort of inspected, I guess, or tested, I guess is the best word to say. He was tested by all the authorities of the day, both civil, both political, both religious, or uh, including religious, and he was found to be without blemish. As one Roman soldier declared, or one Roman official declared, said, I find no fault in him. Jesus shared with his disciples this meal on the night of Passover, on the same night when the whole Jewish nation was sharing Passover in their homes. And later that night, Jesus was betrayed, as you well know, and he was arrested, and he actually died on the first day of Passover. While he was severely beaten, not one bone was broken. 
so as to fulfill the prophecy in the Old Testament that not a bone would be broken. You see the parallels there between the sacrifice of the lamb and then the sacrificial lamb that for us. He was without blemish. And by sharing the meal with his disciples during Passover, he gave new meaning to the Passover elements. He made it personal. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And he meant for you and for me and for everyone who accepted him as their Lord and Savior. It was broken for everybody who will accept that. He was the only sinless, unleavened, sacrificial, perfect Lamb of God. Scripture says, and in the same way he took the cup after they had eaten and saying, this cup which is poured out for you in my covenant, in my blood, is the new covenant in my blood. The disciples should have been familiar with that term new covenant because I know that they they studied and they learned about the Old Testament prophets and Jeremiah had said this in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 33, behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant I made with their fathers in the day, I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. I will put my law within them and on their heart, I will write it and I will be their God and they will be my people. Jeremiah talked about the new covenant that Jesus established that night in the upper room. So that kind of gives you just a little bit of background and gives you a little bit of parallel between Jesus, the sacrificial lamb, and how it relates to the Old Testament, how it relates to their sacrifices when they were uh, sacrificing those lambs at the altar for their forgiveness of sins. So I asked the question today, what was Jesus trying to teach the disciples as they shared this meal together? We've already talked a little bit about one of those, and that's thankfulness. I believe that Jesus was in teaching us the importance and teaching them the importance of being thankful. Jesus took the bread and the cup, and what did he do? He gave thanks. And as we gather here today to celebrate the supper, let us consider what being thankful does for each of us. Have you ever thought about what being thankful does? In my counseling, I use that a lot. We have to get to a place sometimes where we are thankful before our hearts can begin to heal. So thankfulness brings out the best in us. Humility, generosity, kindness, patience, and love. It reminds us to count our blessings and it helps us carry our burdens and it helps us be more faithful stewards of what God has given us. We must choose thankfulness. We must choose thankfulness. It has been in being thankful that we become a victor instead of a victim. When we are joyful and thankful, we want to share it with others. And it implies that when we share it with others, it implies that no one is excluded. It goes back, no one in my home was excluded from those meals. I didn't care who, mother didn't care who it was that walked through those doors. She fed them. She fed them. So when we're joyful and thankful, we do want to share it with others. And we don't, we don't want anybody to be excluded from this table. I believe that it's my job, and I believe that it's your job to enlarge that table by sharing the message of love and sharing the message of Christ so that everyone who comes to him in faith can have a seat and enjoy the fellowship around the table of faith. I think at this table we find encouragement. I think at this table we find healing, spiritual healing, sometimes which leads to physical healing. I think it's around this table that we realize how much we have to be grateful for. It is a reminder that the world cannot take away our joy. Remember that? Nobody can take your joy. Nobody's going to take my joy. It's a reminder that the world cannot take your joy and they cannot take your voice with which you can express your gratefulness. Uh, suffice it to say that um, uh, the more grateful we are, the more precious life is. Secondly today, I think Jesus 
was teaching the importance of being servants. If you were here Wednesday night, you heard me speak a little bit about the characteristics of the servant. What, is, what are the characteristics of a true servant? I'm not going into that today, but I think Jesus was trying to teach the disciples and trying to teach us the importance of being servants. In the account of the Lord's Supper in John chapter 13, Jesus was teaching his disciples the deeper understanding of being servants. Peter argued with Jesus. You remember the story? Peter argued with Jesus. Jesus was going to wash their feet, which was a custom in that day because they wore sandals, they walked on dirt roads, and, and it was important that their feet be clean when they entered the house. But Peter argued with Jesus. He, he said that he thought it was a job that was too lowly for Jesus. And additionally, Peter thought it was something that the disciples and certainly Jesus should not be doing. It was servant's work. It was servant's work. And what did Jesus say? If you will not allow me to wash your feet, then you cannot be part of me. And I think meaning that if you're not willing to get down in the trenches in my name, you do not understand what it is to follow me. You've got to be willing to get down in the trenches. You've got to be willing to do what you ask others to do. You've got to be willing to be that service. Well, when Peter realized what Jesus was saying, he overreacted a little bit. He said then, wash my head, wash my hands, practically his whole body. And I can imagine Jesus just kind of looked at him, and I think he was very patient with Peter at that point. And he gently reminded Peter that a person who had had a bath and who was clean only had to have his feet, his dirty feet washed. There was no need to wash what was already clean. Also, I think Jesus was teaching Peter and the disciples and us that part of serving is allowing others to serve as well, so as not to rob them of the blessings that come from service in his name. It is of equal importance that we allow others to be our servants as well. I'm sure, just like you are, that in that upper room that night that Jesus had a whole lot on his mind. He could have easily focused on himself. He could have easily been distracted by what was going to happen to him. He knew Judas was going to betray him. He knew that, and he indicated that when he said, all were not clean at the table. He knew he would be arrested. He knew that Peter would deny him he knew that he would be crucified. He, had a lot, he could have had a whole lot of other things on his mind, but instead he focused on the needs of his disciples and helping them understand how to be his presence in this world, especially when he knew what was coming. He knew he would no longer be with them in the flesh, and they had to be his presence. And that's what he says to us today. I want you to be my presence in this world. So the celebration of the Lord's Supper teaches us the importance of having the right attitude and serving others with humility and being Jesus' presence in the world. That's why we need to examine ourselves before we take this meal. That's why we need to examine ourselves and confess our sins and make sure that we have a pure heart before God. Lastly today, I think Jesus wanted the disciples and us to understand the depth of his love for us. A love that was so deep that he was willing to be our sacrifice. He was willing to be crucified for us. He has asked us as we come to this table today to do this in remembrance of him and to remember that his death and to remember his death until his coming. And I believe that he is coming, and I believe that coming is near. I don't know how many of you study biblical prophecy, but if you do, you know that his coming is near. From everything that's happening around us, you know, it, he is coming, and we need to be ready, and it's important for us to share this message. We need to be the watchman on the wall. We need to be on that wall and proclaiming his love and proclaiming his uh, grace so that as many as possible can come to know him before his return. 
you can rest assured that he is coming again and we will be caught up with him to enjoy the everlasting life that in a place that he has prepared for us. Jesus came to give life. And he said, I've come to give life and I've come to give it more abundantly. And that abundant life begins the very minute that you accept him as your Lord and Savior. And then we look forward to being in heaven together and celebrating throughout eternity. And we're to comfort one another with those words. We're to comfort one another with the words of, of, of his grace and his coming again. And uh, it's, it's exciting to know that we will be able to live in eternity. But at the same time, it places a great responsibility on us to share the message of Christ with those around us and to let him live through us and to let him be, his, let him be present through us in this world. He did come to give life. In John 1, we read these words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men, the light that shines in darkness. As his children, we are the light, and we're to shine in the darkness and let him shine through us. Philippians 2, 6 through 8 says this, who being the very nature, in very nature God, did not consider equality with God, and he's talking about Jesus, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And then Romans 5, 8 says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. We must, we must never forget his great love for us. And we remember that today as we will share in a few moments around this table. Paul said in Ephesians 3, 17 through 19, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know the love that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. I believe today that these are just a few of the things that possibly Jesus wanted us to remember from that supper. He wants us to realize that it's our responsibility, certainly, to be his presence in the world and to share the hope that he brings and to share the hope of his coming. By being fulfilled to the measure of all the fullness of God, we understand the depth of his love and we can truly become his presence in the world when we understand the depth of his love for us. It is through us, his disciples, that others can learn about the depth of love and know the depth of his desire to love and know him as well, to, for them to know and love him as well. We are to share that love. And I'm not saying it's easy sometimes. Sometimes we struggle. Sometimes we find it easier to love those who are like us. We find it easier to love those who think like us. We find it easier just to kind of share that love and trade love with people. It's a little more difficult when we encounter those that are not quite as lovely as others. We encounter those that maybe have betrayed us, maybe have hurt us in some way, maybe and those whom we have lost trust. I'll be honest, I struggle with it at times. However, in the end, I know that I must love and I must forgive and I must repent and ask for God to create in me, as we find in Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And that should be all of our prayers every day. Create in me a clean heart, Oh God. I'm going to close with a story today. It's a story that happened in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, 
in October of 2006. A lone gunman by the name of Charles Carl Roberts IV stepped into a one-room Amish school and opened fire. He killed five little girls, and then he injured five more. And as you would expect, the attention of the whole country was focused upon this tragedy at the Nickel Mines School. And these quiet, humble people of the, in the Bark Township of Lancaster County, you know it was, it was focused on all of that, on the tragedy and on those people. I think they taught us a lot that week about radical, mature Christian love. Because on the evening of the shooting, family members of the slain children visited Carl Roberts, the gunman. They visited his parents, and they told them they had forgiven their son. They knew that the Roberts family was grieving as well, and they offered to help them with their grief. That is such a gracious response to such a devastating event. And as God's children, our response should always, always be forgiveness. It should always be. And when we are able to extend forgiveness as freely as God has forgiven us, then we've reached a new level of maturity. Remember, always forgive as freely as God has forgiven you. These are the things that I take away from the table today. What about you? What do you take away from the table when we gather together to remember the Lord and remember his sacrifice and to uh, celebrate him and look forward to his coming? What do you take away from that? Today, if you don't have a relationship with him, I promise you, once you come into that relationship and accept him as your Lord and Savior, you can know how high and how wide and how long and how deep his love is for you by choosing to give your life to him and living a life that's under his watch care and under his love and under those new mercies every morning. Think about these things this morning while we pray. Father, thank you for the depth of your love to each one of us. There's a lot to think about as we gather around this table today. But Father, I pray that you would remove everything from our hearts and minds that would keep us from focusing on you and uh, focusing on remembering your great sacrifice and remembering the depth of your love for each one of us. Now, Father, if there's anyone at the sound of my voice, that doesn't know you as a Lord and Savior, whether they're in this room or whether they're sitting at home watching on live stream or Facebook Live. Father, I pray that you would touch their hearts and uh, let them know how much you love them and let them know that we as a church family are here for them, to work with them, to share with them, to love them, to cry with them, whatever they need, Father. That's our job to do that, and we want to be able to do that. So we lift all of those up to you today and pray that they would come to faith in you. Father, thank you for this church family, for their love and for um, the way they um, love you and the way they minister to the people around them. And may we always, may that always be our focus as we worship you. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. And thank you for this great reminder of who you are and the sacrifice that you made. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand together and we're going to sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. Um, if you have something on your heart, you want to share a decision, you come to this front row and we'll talk to you or we'll talk to you afterwards uh, after the service today. But join me now as we share together. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. 
be seated as we prepare to take this meal together. I think you were given your elements as you came in. If you'll notice in the very top of that is your bread, and there's a little thin layer that you must peel off before you open the whole thing. And inside that little thin layer is your unleavened bread, and uh, we'll look at that, and we're finished today. If you'll just put your cups and your everything back inside the bag and then there are cans outside that you can drop those in as you leave today. We would certainly appreciate that. And let me remind you that the Lord's Supper is for all who, everyone who has a relationship with Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter where your church membership is. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are welcome at this table today. And if you're not in a relationship with him, our greatest desire, our greatest desire would be to share Jesus Christ with you. So take a few minutes to examine your hearts and then we'll join in taking the meal together. took the bread and he gave thanks. You join as we share in a prayer of thanksgiving. Father, thank you so much for the gift that you gave us, this free gift of grace that you sacrificed so much for. And as we eat this bread, Father, we remember your broken body. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. Let's pray for the cup today. Father, thank you for the sacrifice of your blood that was shed for the remission of our sins. We remember it today as we drink this cup. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Drink it and remember me.
And the Bible says that when they finished, they sang a hymn. We're going to stand and we're going to sing together, My Jesus, I Love Thee. Um, Todd is away today, uh, just taking a little breath, a real breather, and uh, he'll be back with us Wednesday night. Uh, but we're grateful that you're here today, and we thank you for coming. So let's stand and sing, My Jesus, I Love Thee, and then you'll uh, be escorted out today. want to share with you that we had a member join this morning, Judith Wilson. Uh, at some point in time, we'll introduce her to you. Uh, she joined at the 830 service, and uh, when we kind of get back to normal, we'll share all these new members that we've gotten. But just remember Judith in your prayers and be grateful that she's part of our church fellowship. Thank you for being here today. We love you, and we're grateful for you. God bless you as you leave this place today. Mm -hmm.